Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Wednesday, October 25th edition of the PFF Forecast. We've got an earlier show today, um, in large part because uh, we think maybe some trades will break. And I just want Brad on the line as any trades happen so he can report on them. Uh, We will talk about some potential trade implications get a little injury roundup we're going to do some sgp builds with judah and then we'll get to the locks of the week it's going to be a great show let's run Trade winds, they are a blowing. Brad, you tweeted out this like weird gif of winds blowing in a field. And it took me a solid 30 seconds to figure out whether you had just been drinking a lot of bourbon or what was going on. Um, and we've had what, one trade? Just the one trade, Kevin Byard, you know, Miko Hartman, I guess, if you want to throw him in the mix there. He did make some plays for the Chiefs. Yeah, the winds are blowing. I know it's a little bit dead. There are a lot of conversations happening. There are some cool deals that aren't going to happen but almost happened, which, you know, I can't allude to more more than that. What's up? That's awesome. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could have been cool. could have been cool. Um, But, yeah, no, it's uh, we're going to get some more action in the next six days. I promise you that. Uh, what is if you had to guess or, or you had to place a bet on one player to get traded that would have like is there a player that could get traded that has any impact on a bet betting market of any kind? Do you think? Yeah, like if you look at the bigger name guys, and I do generally think these are less likely than obviously the late round pick swaps and stuff like that. I think one thing that just seems to be bubbling more and more, uh, some reports this morning from Nikki Javala, who I think works at the Washington Post. She covers the commanders, you know, putting out that that they have received an offer for Montez Sweat. I've talked a ton, a lot of the articles about how the commanders kind of can't keep both Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons could be a team there. There's some front office connections between those two teams. Basically, some guys in Atlanta that used to work in Washington. Your Niners, you know, kind of couldn't do much against the Minnesota Vikings this past weekend. Maybe they try to make a splash at another edge rusher. We know they love defensive line, you know, and a handful of other teams just because I think it's so ripe for the plucking because teams know the commanders probably can't keep both of these guys. So really all you have to do is beat a compensatory pick. um, And that's kind of the market. Maybe they get better than that. But, but yeah, those are kind of just some random teams, but you know, teams that could probably use some edge help. 
makes sense. Edge rusher is like a very deep position and one that many teams need a lot of depth at. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, let's let's get into this. Uh, week eight, um, we have no buys this week, so a lot of games. Uh, any injuries to be uh, mindful of as we go into this? What did you say? You cut off. Oh, sorry. Great, great podcasting. I said, any injuries for us to be mindful of as we get into this week? Yeah, it's mostly quarterbacks. So, you know, going back to Tennessee, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill, I doubt, plays this week. So, you know, I think we're going to get – it sounds like a combination of Malik Willis and uh, Will Levis, which is always a good thing when you're going to start two quarterbacks because you, you probably have faith in neither. Um, but a couple others, you know, I think Tyson Bajan obviously going to start again. You doubted me uh, on Sunday, but uh, he's going to get the start over Justin Fields again. Um I think there's a couple other quarterbacks that are dinged up. Jimmy G, I think, is going to play for the Raiders. I think they're also probably buyers in the edge rusher market as well. Maybe a name to keep an eye on there. Um, otherwise, you know, Debo's not going to play. He was said to be out for two weeks. Um, any, anyone else I'm forgetting? You, Watson, you guys can think? Hmm? Watson out. Gonna oh, be he's another out. PJ Walker week. Yep. What's, the, what's the deal with um... – with uh with Watson I, do you believe this like random muscle in his shoulder that's supposedly weak or is this is there something that's not getting or, or something that's getting covered up there's a video of a cut up of a bunch of throws from the past game and like he could not generate velocity on the football so I, I believe it I, I don't think there's any grand conspiracy here or anything like that uh you know I'm not in the Brady Quinn camp that although that was a great interaction uh, on Twitter last night for those who saw it but uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anything going on there. I think he's just not healthy. P.J. Walker, like you said, now signed to the active roster. They might as well put him on IR potentially and just let him get fully healthy. Um, but yeah, that, that's another good one, of course, to mention. And we have a comment here from Dan Bodine. Uh, Bodine, Bodine. Uh, Jalen Hurts is hurt. Uh, I think you saw it in that game against Miami, a little bit labored and running. I think it's a lower body thing, but he, he fully plans to play. That's good to know. Um, all right, let's get into it then. Uh, we've got um, full slate here. So, Judah, I expect that you've got a lot cooking up here. Um, if you are new to the podcast, what we do uh, every Wednesday afternoon is we talk about um, how to build SGP narratives. If you have not taken a look at how Judah does this, you absolutely should. Last year, his printed SGPs on, on PFF.com had an over 80% ROI. You hit some ridiculous 150 to 1 one and should have hit two in the same weekend. Um, but the concept is that you build these on a data-driven narrative as opposed to just randomly picking touchdown bets, putting them in the same game parlay and praying to God. So uh, here we instead uh, extol that as a, as a mechanism for making some money. So I'll give it to you. Where do you want to go uh, first with SGPs this week? Yeah, first we'll start with a uh, game tomorrow night, and that's going to be the Bills passing attack against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh there are a couple of kind of main angles and maybe some, some tertiary ones as well. The main one is that uh, this is something we highlighted last week. Um, the Buccaneers are one of the biggest pass funnel teams, meaning they're very good stopping a run and struggle to defend the pass. Uh, that certainly is kind of elevated in a, or, or magnified, I should say, in a spot with the Bills who, as it is, uh, are not running uh, as much. That kind of also compounds with the fact that the books are right now pricing in a lot of kind of Josh Allen's past production, which includes many rushing attempts, which are way down this season. Uh, so there's going to be plenty of passing volume uh, with some of their tight end injuries. They're going to be moving a lot 
to 11 personnel. They kind of experimented with the 12 personnel. I think that's going to mean a lot of kind of Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Uh, the Bucks are extremely beatable uh, in terms of explosive plays, which I think Diggs right now has such a commanding share uh, and, and it would be thoroughly unsurprising to see him kind of earn a ton of targets that I like that spot. But really, Gabe Davis is the one I'm, I'm looking to highlight, especially because of the Bucks' weakness deep. Uh, he is graded as one of the best at our catch point slash after the catch metrics. Uh, his prop right now is 41. Uh, not so much needs to go right, especially for a guy with such a downfield role uh, in Gabe Davis to kind of get 100 yards. He's going to get targets. Uh, I kind of highlighted him last week. That did not work out, but I'm going right back to the well here. Uh, I would also not be surprised. The Bills, if you kind of think about how this game script goes, uh, the excuse me, the Bucks have been terrible on kind of these scripted plays. Uh, the Bills, conversely, when they kind of get ahead, uh, which I would not be surprised to see here, uh, really just like they pounce on teams when they uh, kind of like start 10 nothing. It's when we think of like these, oh, the Bills, uh, these kind of fluky games, it's a lot of times when they're playing from behind. Uh, and like Josh Allen has some bad turnovers. They also can beat teams 48 20, uh, like they did against the, the Dolphins. And that is continuing to press the, uh, you know, the gas pedal and, and continuing to throw. All of that kind of coalesces. And the main kind of summary bullet point of this angle is Bucks are good against the run, bad against the pass, uh, are, are pretty uh, you know, easy to beat deep. That's kind of the Gabe Davis role. His props are kind of reflecting. Uh, past production in which this team ran the ball more just because Josh Allen ran the ball a bunch. Uh, all that kind of, I think, is mispriced uh, and a spot on you looking to attack. That makes a lot of sense. And um, the other thing that, that I think is interesting about this is there's, you, you look at the um, the Bucks defense. I think the place where they are weak is kind of how they, you know, combat speed. Like, they're just not a very fast defense, right? And, like, Gabe Davis getting down the football field makes – a lot of sense here. Allen, I feel like has been, been somewhat undervalued. He's graded really well and just, you know, has played kind of poorly in a few different spots that have caused some close games. But um, I am overall bullish on, on the bills offense in particular going forward. Yeah. I mean, third highest. Quick, Judah. Play rate oh, the, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say third highest explosive play rate for the bucks. Uh, we're going to see some, some explosive from, from the bills. So just because you mentioned Gabe Davis and, and on this note, and maybe this isn't an SGP question, but just, you know, picking your brain on props. Do you explore the longest reception market? You know, just because a guy like Gabe Davis, do you have any general thoughts on, on that market? Just because I feel like he is like the guy where he could have two catches for 100 yards. You know, that's kind of his speed. Yeah, I think kind of with the introduction of these alt receiving lines, I'd just rather take that where it's like if I'm going to bet on, you know, over 18 and a half receptions, like it's more than likely like that big play is going to be, you know, maybe a, a 20 to 30 yarder as opposed to like, or a 28 to 35 yarder as opposed to just like 22 yards to get me over that. And I'd rather just take the upside uh, that kind of like carries with the prop. All right. What else you got? Uh, let's go with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and the uh, going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think kind of two, two angles generally about the, about the team. Uh, one of which is that, uh, the Steelers play a ton of man coverage. Uh, we kind of flip this uh, and have the Steelers on on defense here. Uh, we'll see that they do not have uh, the secondary to uphold uh, this kind of man-heavy unit. Right? We talk all the time about man coverage. Uh, targets are both more predictable in terms of where they're going to go, and also it's a reflection of the talent on the field. Good corners beat good receivers. Good receivers beat good corners. I think this is especially true uh, for the matchup we're about to highlight, which is Christian Kirk. 
who has about a 30% target share in man coverage, uh, as opposed to like a close to 18, 20% in the zone. It's like kind of funny because uh, you can almost look at uh, in the Jaguars matchups, which wide receiver has popped off. And it's just like Calvin Ridley's done well in the zone games. Christian Kirk has uh, done well in the zone games. Christian Kirk has done well in the man games. This is one of those man games. Uh, the strength of the Steelers, as you can see, are their edge rushers. Uh, that is kind of mitigated when Trevor Lawrence is getting rid of the ball so quickly. He's been dominant against man coverage for a year and a half now, uh, right up there with Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa by basically any efficiency metric you will use. The targets are going to go through Christian Kirk. They're pricing in medians. The medians don't really mean much when it's holding in a sample of both man and zone coverage. This is a man coverage game. I'm going to be building around the Jaguars passing attack and it flowing through Christian Kirk. It's interesting because um, I think wasn't the narrative that Calvin Ridley was going to be the man beater um, in this offense. And like, you know, obviously that one clip of him like running around super fast. And I, I, I want to say last year that was there a, I think it was Chargers Jags. And we talked about how the Chargers can play a lot of zone and Christian Kirk, you know, was the guy that was dominating zone there. So it's really interesting to see how he has come through and, started dominating in man coverage this year. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, this is an angle I've been on for a couple of years, actually. He's always had an extremely high target share mm -hmm. against him. Um, it's also yeah. funny with Ridley that, like, he, when I was looking back at his numbers, was always, like, amazing at, like, separating versus zone insofar as we can kind of, like, chart those things. And obviously it means a little bit less to, to separate in zone, but, like, finding that soft spot, like, that's really where he excels. Uh, but it's also this matchup in the slot. Uh, which really, really kind of elevates the, the Kirk angle here. Um, I love it. Um, all right. Anything else for us this week? Uh, it's, those are kind of the main ones until we get some, some more pricing. Uh, I wouldn't mind. I'll throw one flyer on here. Uh, and that's, I feel like death taxes and me building Miami Dolphins, same game parlays. Mm. Um, yes. The, the uh, Patriots have played a lot better uh, as of late. This is also still an extreme man heavy team. Uh, if the offense kind of goes flat, which I don't think would be so shocking, like we have a large sample of that offense being bad before the, the past couple of weeks, uh, we can just see the Dolphins really, really uh, kind of imposing their will. And that is a, a bet on all of Mostert, Hill, and Waddle. And kind of like Miami is one of the rare teams. Books are going to evenly price kind of correlations of, it's very rare for, almost impossible for, uh, you know, two wide receivers to go way over their alt yards and a running back to do so. And books are kind of pricing that evenly, whether it's the Miami Dolphins who have their wide receiver one, wide receiver two, running back one going way over their alts, or it's the New York Giants doing that. So I kind of want to buy into spots where I can see the Dolphins being extremely explosive. And that's against a, you know, man coverage team like the Patriots who can't defend uh, the Miami offense and just a lot of play volume, which can happen if Mac Jones completely falls flat as he had in previous weeks. I'd also like want to highlight Jalen Phillips coming back is enormous. Uh, really, really helps that pass rush, especially for a guy like Mac Jones who takes a lot of sacks. Uh, I would not kind of underestimate the the influence there. And he was great um, against the Eagles. Like, not a great game for the Dolphins overall, but he was dominant. I, I mean, I guess Lane Johnson isn't at full strength. Is that right? But still, I thought it was super impressive. He may have had, I don't know how he charted, I should have checked, but I, uh, he may have had the first sack on Lane Johnson per our charting in like years, uh, yeah. but I, I haven't checked it if we credited that uh, anyway. <laughs> um, in our hearts, he, he made it happen. Okay, yeah. we're going to get to uh, the week eight slate here in just one second before we do. Um, who are the pretenders? Who are the contenders? 
guys. We're going to talk about that here in a second. And on DraftKings, you do not want to be a pretender. You want to be a contender. So here's how you do that. New customers use promo code PFF and get five bucks or bet five bucks and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. You don't have to wait for the bets to your first bet to cash. You just get those bonus bets immediately. And all customers can take care of, uh, take advantage of a sweetener on every game this October. Um, so we're going to talk about some lines that we like. Um, and at DraftKings, you can go and put your money where your mouth is. So get in on the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I might mention that, uh, yes, they do have same game parlays. So the ones that you just talked about, you can go get involved there. Download the app now and use promo code uh, PFF, new customers. When they use that promo code, bet just $5 to get anything uh, on anything and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. This is only a drafting sportsbook with promo code PFF. All right. The best part of the podcast, the part everyone tunes in for. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net because apparently that still exists, .net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789, quadruple 7, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus, uh, varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. So set the timer. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, let's get into week eight. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Brad, why don't you kick us off? Yep. So Drew just touched on it. It's still under a field goal. And as much as we hate, you know, Mike Tomlin home dog, I just don't like this matchup for Pittsburgh. Uh, They're going to mitigate the pass rush, kind of the same narrative we had against the New Orleans Saints. Trevor Lawrence had, I think, a 2.1 second average time to throw. And he mentioned the slot matchup. I mean, whoever they're trotting out besides Jory Porter Jr., they had a little bit of Patrick Peterson in the slot in this past week against L.A. Uh, Short story long, it didn't go particularly well uh, in that spot. And I think they'll continue with that. Maybe it's Shandon Sullivan. Who knows? But I just don't like this matchup. They're going to get beat quickly in the line of, uh, you know, off the line of scrimmage. And I think, again, the other side of the ball, this Jaguars run defense is, you know, a top five, top ten unit by pretty much any metric. If the Steelers are sitting in a bunch of third and longs, their tackles, they've gone back to Dan Moore at left tackle. He got beat a handful of times um, in this game this past weekend. And I think particularly for both tackles, smaller off-ball linebacker, outside linebacker type guys like a Josh Allen, I think is a bigger issue than and they hold up fairly well against some of the speed-to-power guys. Uh, so, yeah, I'm taking the Jaguars here. Minus two and a half, I see it at most books. Yeah. I'm going to have to, that was my first bet also. I'll just give some more, more reasoning. Uh, Cause this is, yeah. I think my, by far my, my favorite bet of the, uh, of the slate was just that. Uh, yes. Deontay Johnson just came back. The Steelers offense right now is being market power rated about 21st best in the league. Uh, you can check that on unpredictable.com. They kind of scrape the market rankings. They use current lines and look ahead lines to derive team strengths, which I think is absolutely egregious. Like, they put together their first two good drives of the season last week. Clap it, clap it up, clap it up for them. Uh, they did it. <laughs> they were able to sustain offense for for a couple of uh, a couple of drives there. They're by far, by far the uh, worst offense by uh, a lot of these drive numbers. Uh, and I think a lot of that is a function of things we've talked about in the past, which is that uh, Kenny Pickett last year, Mitch Trubisky last year, Kenny Pickett this year. 
uh, has thrown into tight windows about 10% more than the rest of the league. Your base rate of success uh, on throws to tight windows is essentially, uh, I used to use the example of like uh, the New York Jets. I feel like that doesn't work, but way worse than the worst offense in the NFL. Your chances of an interception are six times more likely than throws to not tight windows. They force coverage mistakes at the lowest rate in the NFL. Having Deontay Johnson back is great. It does not kind of cover up these schematic issues, uh, which I don't think can uh, just magically disappear. And the market is pricing this as like kind of a, you know, a little bit below average offense when this is by far the worst offense in the NFL, at least so far this season. I had that one on my list. I didn't think I would ever get to it because uh, I knew that um, both of you were going to like it as well. Um, so let's see here. I think the first one that, that I do want to call out, I'll call it a, a player prop here, is um, actually going back to that Tampa Bay Bucks and, and Buffalo Bills game. Um, and, and I think, you know, along the same lines and, and logic that you had, Judah, I think you could obviously make a case for, for the Gabe Davis um, over. Um, I, I think the thing here is that, yeah, Gabe Davis is good, but there's no reason not to target Stephon Diggs 15 times in this game, especially coming off of a loss where, look, he was the only thing that was really working for them. And I think they'll go back to, to feeding him. And there's, I mean, Carlton Davis is fine, but he's 31st in PFF grade. I'm not, you know, I'm sure they'll move Stephon Diggs around as they normally do. So I think he's at 85 and a half yards. I like that as an over in this game. I do think that the Bucks will be able to have some success on offense um, against a Bills defense that, you know, is, is fine, but, but I don't think the greatest thing in the world. And here's the other thing. The, I think they want to protect Josh Allen from injuries a little bit, and the Bucs are a good run defense. Um, so this should increase um, you know, some passing volume uh, in this one. So that, that's my first, my first submission, uh, Stefan Diggs over. Brad? I'll stick with that game as well, looking at the other side of the ball. So uh, I like the Chris Godwin over five and a half receptions in this game. Uh, look, the Bills still do have a decent pass rush. I think we're going to see a healthier Von Miller, but they are starting two, you know, rookie contract linebackers, guys that have made some plays the last couple weeks, but, you know, not in the caliber and the stratosphere of Matt Milano. They have two starting safeties that are in their low 30s, um, and they've had injuries, of course, in the secondary. Um, but I think because the pass rush and Baker Mayfield doing a consistently better job, we're waiting for that regression, kind of hasn't come yet. But I think part of that is because, he is getting the ball out quickly, and instead of trying to make magic with pressure, just throwing the ball. But I don't love waiting for longer developing routes with Mike Evans. I think he'll just take a lot of the underneath stuff over the slot with a mismatch at that second level. Um, I think Chris Godwin's going to get a lot of targets in this game. Uh, so like the over five and a half receptions for Chris Godwin. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Rashi Rice here. Uh, over 44 and a half yards uh, against this Broncos defense. Uh, Rashi Rice has a ridiculous targets per route run rate. It's, it's near 30%. Uh, he's done a lot of that against zone. He's actually struggled to, to kind of separate uh, versus man. The Broncos play about 75% zone coverage. Uh, Rashi Rice has finally, we've been, I feel like we've been talking about this for, for weeks, the like actual emergency. Mm -hmm. Finally, uh, was second on the, Chiefs in Rats run last week. I expect that to continue. He's a yards after the catch monster. Uh, I think we kind of saw that uh, a little bit last Sunday. Uh, the Chiefs are going to be uh, throwing plenty in this game. I actually expect the uh, Broncos offense to move the ball a little bit, uh, which honestly, it doesn't really matter. The Chiefs are going to be throwing no matter the game script. Uh, this price is building in a lot of kind of 
Rashi Rice as more of a part-time player. I expect him to continue to get 75% of the snaps. It's a matchup that sets up particularly well for him. Uh, I like over 47 and a half. He's their best receiver. Four, four and a half. Yeah. Particularly close. Um, all right. Uh, I am going to go back to the well um, on a team that, look, the, the restoration of the roar has been very vociferous over the first part of this season. Um, and uh, it has dissipated into a whimper last week. Outdoors against the Baltimore Ravens, who are a very good team. Um, but Jared Goff outdoors in Baltimore versus Jared Goff at home against the Raiders, I think is just such a massive, massive difference. The Raiders are, are pretty terrible. You said you think Jimmy G is going to play, Brad? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Jimmy G banged up is one of the most terrifying things you can possibly imagine on a football field. Like, I do not think there is a player in this league who is impacted by small injuries more than Jimmy G. Um, I have witnessed it with my own eyes many times. Anyways, Detroit is minus eight. I like this in two ways. I like Detroit minus eight. I also love them uh, as a teaser. Uh, down to two, a little long teaser. Who do I want to tease them with? I think there are a couple of really, really good options. The first one that I will mention are the Ravens down to two and a half. They're playing in Arizona. Um, I will omit the Los Angeles Chargers for Argent's sanity. Um, and uh, I will include what I think is, you know, a, a good one as well, which is Chiefs down to one uh, in Denver. So those are a couple there uh, ways to play that game. Yep, it's Long Wednesday for sure. There are so many legs uh, out there, you know, for the people, and they've been good to us this season so far. So going back to a prop, I've been waiting for sack props for the Atlanta Falcons, particularly the interior defenders. Uh, we're going to get Malik Willis and Will Levis. Both guys have uh, pretty abysmal pressure to sack rates, but I don't see anything yet. So I'll go to one that we might not be getting the best value at just because he just had two sacks in his return to this Chiefs lineup, but we know Russell Wilson holds onto the ball more than anyone. He is PFF's number one quarterback right now in the amount of pressure we've charted as his fault. And Charles Amenahu comes back for this team. Dude, I'm killing you, man. I'm killing you. Uh, in particular, here, why I, why I like it, he played 17, or sorry, he played 32 snaps last week. 17, over half of those, were at left end or left end outside. So over our dear old pal Mike McGlinchey, who is the pass-protecting weak spot of this Denver Broncos defensive line. Russell Wilson is going to hold on to the ball for a long time. They're probably going to be in a negative game script, probably 10 seconds into the game. So they're going to be trying to throw a lot, throw downfield. And Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. I'm seeing over a quarter sack is plus 154. And I apologize, Judah, uh, for, for snaking that one from me again. I feel like we need to like snake order now. So that Brad can't take <laughs> two, two of my first three uh in a row but yes i i do like that i, I i'll i'll go i'll pivot to uh one more one that i like uh as a as a spread and that's the the houston texans uh at minus three against the carolina panthers um i think that uh if you look at the look ahead line here like before the season it was carolina minus three um, which I think is a, a pretty interesting kind of turn uh, and interesting frame of reference of like how far kind of CJ Stroud has come uh, and where Bryce Young and the, and the Panthers are at. Um, I, I would say that first off, Tank Dell should be back. Nico Collins should be back. Uh, I don't know if they're the number four and five wide receivers in the NFL as, as some might have it. Uh, but uh, I think there are certainly elite producers. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and 
the matchup I think sets up perfectly, uh, which is that Carolina CJ Stroud has amazing splits. Uh, you know, when his pocket is kept clean versus not clean, uh, the, the Panthers, I mean, I think Laramie Tunsil can deal with Brian Burns and outside of that don't really have any pass rush pass rush to speak of, nor do they have anyone to cover Tank Dell and Nico Collins. Uh, have plenty of a, a clean pocket for CJ Stroud to operate with. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, I mean, the Panthers offensive line is absolutely dreadful right now. Uh, Houston has kind of been a, a above league average at generating uh, quick pressure, regular pressure. Uh, I expect that to continue. Uh, Steven Nelson's had a terrific year. I expect him and even Jimmy Ward's been good in the slot. I expect them to kind of take away uh, or at least limit Adam Thielen's production. And they, the Panthers really have no one else. If you're going to be the Texans, you're going to want to do it with kind of secondary wide receivers and, and Jonathan Bingo and DJ Chark have not been that at all. Add the fact that they're changing play callers. It's likely going to be, uh, there's some uncertainty there, uh, but I'm more than happy to kind of take the points uh, with uh a Texans offense, which is power ranked right now around 17. I actually, believe it or not, think that's still a little bit too low, uh, especially with with how good uh, Stroud has been. And in this situation, I, I think it's kind of perfect to highlight the and elevate the strengths of Stroud uh, and the Texans. I do like Texas that spot. I like little Tank Dell um, coming back off of uh, injury as well. I don't know what his number has been, um, what it was. I, I feel like this is a good spot. Um as you said, for the passing game there. Um, so uh, let me go to uh, Bengals Niners. I think this spread five and a half Niners did not look impressive uh, offensively. So I think there's a decent chance that if Burrow did heal up a little bit, this is a closer game. Um, and I would be surprised if the Niners don't learn a bit of a lesson. No Debo Samuel again, right here is in the first half, you were able to feed Brandon Ayuk and in the second half, you did not feed him at all. He has been the most dominant. He is ranked number one in PFF separation grade, um, which uh, I think he should have no problem separating against the Bengals corners, none of whom have a PFF grade over 70 so far this year. So um, I think over for Ayuk, I'm guessing his his receptions prop, four and a half, five and a half. I think his, his yardage was like 57 and a half, 59 and a half, some, some around there um, last week. And, and I don't think he actually got over the closing number. So I'm guessing there will be, you know, um, a little bit of a, of a traction there. Maybe we can get it in the low 50s, um, somewhere around there. Um, but I think it's one of the bigger matchup advantages for the Niners in this game. Um, and uh, look, quite frankly, they they maybe lost that game to Minnesota because they couldn't find a way to get Ayuk the ball in the second half. So uh, rolling my guy, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, he had five for 57 in the first half and did not have a catch the second half. So he almost hit all the numbers in the first half of the game. Real quick, just going back to Judas, this is not my official play, but I would also keep an eye on some Damian Pierce props. I should start spamming attempts props more because I love attempts props, uh, but also just rushing yards um, because of the potential favorable game script. The Panthers might have the worst run defense in the NFL. It's certainly bottom five in pretty much every metric you look at. So if they get a, get a lead, they're also coming off a bye. The offensive line is finally practicing together for two weeks in a row, uh, you know, for the first time basically all season. If the game plays out how we expect, I think Damian Pierce will get a ton of second-half carries. So um, I would keep an eye on that one. One more for me. I think this is the my – I'll admit this is kind of a trade deadline, keeping an eye on things bet. Um, it's the Atlanta Falcons at the Tennessee Titans – we know we're getting Malik, uh, Malik Willis and Will Levis. I guess Will Levis is the primary quarterback, whatever that's supposed to mean. 
The Titans offensive line, as I just mentioned before, is atrocious. Uh, both these guys take a ton of sacks, but also they already traded Kevin Byard. Even if they don't trade, let's say, Danico Autry, Autry, DeAndre Hopkins, Derrick Henry maybe, even if they don't trade those guys before Sunday, there's a, probably a decent chance they don't play a lot of snaps in this game. So you keep them healthy for Monday and maybe make a trade there. So, you know, I, I just think it's two teams moving in opposite directions. I think Atlanta could be a buyer and Tennessee is probably the biggest seller in the NFL. Not that that should inform your bets, but anyway, um, you know, it is Mike Vrabel and all those things. I get that, but I, I do like Atlanta in the spot laying a field goal. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, the Titans appear to be like big sellers. I mean, we've seen Malik Willis play football. Um, I'd rather have Brees Hall play quarterback than Malik Willis. Um, we'll throw back. Change your spot. You change your tune. <laughs> yeah, for the people. Um, but look, the the thing that I would read from that is if you can't definitively say, like, we're just going to go with, with Will Levis, like, what does that mean about what Will Levis has shown? <laughs> it's like yes. a little bit scary for me. Um, you know, I think, honestly, if they had anyone slightly better than Desmond Ritter, it would be really compelling um, to, to roll with them there. I think it's a, it's a really good point. Um, okay. Th- I have one more that, that I want to throw out here, and I'm very interested in, in your guys' take on this. So Dallas Cowboys are getting six and are, are giving six and a half points at home. We have talked about the Rams in situations where, you know, when they have a, uh, an advantage or at least not a huge disadvantage uh, on the offensive line, a defensive line matchup that, you know, they do have a really good offense. Um, Stafford has played pretty well. Now I am definitely concerned about the Cowboys pass rush. So this is why I wanted to ask you guys your thoughts on this. This is just too many points in my estimation for the Cowboys to be giving up. Their offense, I think, has been mediocre at best. The, the Rams' offense is better than the Cowboys' offense. Like, I, I think there's no debate there. So unless we think that this is a game where the Cowboys are just going to be able to totally like destroy Matt Stafford, which I think could happen, but the Rams' offensive line hasn't been a total nightmare. There's been some strong play on the right side of it. The left side of it has been a disaster. Um, their receivers should win uh, in this matchup. I think six and a half is just too many points, like looking at these two teams, with the one caveat that that matchup does scare me. Judah, I'll let you jump in. I have some thoughts, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of exactly how I've been approaching this, which is like uh, six and a half, too many points. The Rams have a better offense when you like look at the, the kind of fundamentals of it. It's really a question of like, how strong is this matchup angle? And it's like, we talk about quarterback traits and how certain matchups kind of like elevate or mitigate certain players. And like Matthew Stafford is like the archetype of his kind of like mm-hmm. really great in structures, like him and Kirk Cousins, uh, really great in structure. But like, if you force him to scramble, uh, it's a little less good. It's a, it's really a matter of like how the Rams counter, uh, if anything, it like really points me to Cooper Cup. Uh, who's got a huge matchup advantage against Jordan Lewis at the slot. Uh, and also has like, whenever Matthew Stafford's pressured, whenever Matthew Stafford's blitz has just like outrageous target shares, like 45% level. Uh, so like, maybe that's kind of the the play, which like if the Rams are going to win, it's probably going to flow through Cooper cup. And if the Rams are in like a bad situation and the uh, Cowboys pass rush is wreaking havoc, it's also probably going to mean lots of Cooper cup targets. Then maybe that's kind of the play. But I agree with you. Like six points is six and a half points is like 
way too many points for a better offense. And like, would it be unsurprising if the, there are certain levels of like, when there's a six point game, it's like levels of shock mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. underdog wins. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's a 70, 70% shock factor if the Rams win. No, it, it feels to me, I see where the matchup comes into play, but the level of shock to me would be more of a three point underdog winning yeah. the game. Right. I, I'll propose one more, one more bet. And this is something I've talked about with you guys. Uh, the Rams futures here, mm. uh, which is like, if you're going to kind of catapult yourself into the NFC conversation, like a win against Dallas here would be enormous. I got this at 60 to one last week. That was like a bad pricing by the books. Uh, it's now 40 to one. I think you can get, you can check a, a better number there. I have it at 60. So I haven't exactly been so diligent about checking it, uh, but I still think there's a lot of value there. Uh, if you think the Rams are going to win and that's maybe the play, which like, especially it, it's kind of a signal of if the Rams can hang here, if the Rams can beat Dallas, like there's clearly upside. And uh, as we kind of said, this is the matchup in which like, if the Rams can overcome this, they can overcome any matchup because the Dallas has the best in terms of like quick pressure. They're number one. Uh, they probably have the best pass rush in the league. Uh, I think this would be a huge statement win and you can kind of play that angle. Judah, I'm glad I let you go first because the first to the first point, uh, I was going to say the Cooper Cup thing in every which way. The, the Cowboys don't have linebackers that are healthy right now. They have good safeties, but two of them are bottom 10 graded safeties in the NFL for us so far this season. Over the middle, I, I mean, Stafford might target Cooper Cup 25 times or over the middle of the field. So I'm glad I let you get that one in first this time. <laughs> yes, let's add, let's add Cooper Cup there. I'm glad you brought futures because I was looking at this for a couple of reasons. One is... I think the Minnesota Vikings win over the Niners and obviously the Lions loss. The Packers have looked pretty terrible. Vikings play the Packers this week. They still have a couple of games against the Lions, right? They still have a game against the Lions. And they have a particularly easy schedule over the next six weeks. Why does that matter? Because Justin Jefferson will ideally be back for those Lions games. So is there a, like, they have been bad this year and they've had a lot of terrible luck, but their offense has been really, really good. If you just look at kind of the macro things that they're doing well and not the kind of, you know, oh, they're they're turning the ball over in a lot of fluky ways. Um, so I think that's particularly interesting. Um, I think they're six to one right now to win that division. Um, the Seahawks and, uh, and Rams, I think are interesting from a division perspective as well. Um, the Niners dropping both of those games, dealing with some injuries, starting to see that bug hit them like, those Seahawks games with the Niners are always, are always kind of, an, you know, just like anything can happen. So um, I do think there's some value in, in those futures markets. I'm glad you brought it up, Judah, because it, it does feel like right now there's a little bit of opportunity to say, okay, these teams were kind of dominant, but do we really feel they were that dominant um, only through eight weeks of the season? I love that one, Jordan. The first one, the Vikings. I got a shout out, a friend of the pod, Jack Duffin, who was telling me he got plus 310 on the Vikings to make the playoffs during the San Francisco 49ers game. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I think it's like plus 135 now. Uh, But there's still, yeah, I I see on DraftKings plus 550 to win the NFC North. Justin Jefferson, maybe because of the last two wins, it sounds like he will be right back in that fifth week after the IR stint. Um, And they're probably not going to sell it all. They're not going to be buyers. But I I think Brian Flores has fundamentally changed just by spamming blitzes um, and and doing different things. I actually love the last sack of the game. He, he He did drop eight, and I think Purdy was just so confused why there weren't eight guys in his face. Uh, that, that he actually or through an interception, whatever it was, 
like I think Flores makes the defense good enough. And then the last piece, like you said, their next six games, they're the Vikings, so they'll find a way to lose like one or two of them. But they'll probably be favored in all six of the games, or at least it'll be inside a field goal on, on all six of these next six games. Yeah, I, I that's what was my take. I think there's one game where I could see them being like a very very short, you know, road dog. Yeah. Um, and other than that, they, I mean, Jordan Addison like showing up is huge. TJ Hawkinson, if he can just stay healthy, like they still have the offensive pieces, I think, um, to to make that happen. So, okay, let's uh, pick one out week. Yeah, right. Um, maybe they're not trading to Neil Hunter. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, all right. Uh, before we pick our locks of the week, um, we are brought to you by our dear friends at Manscaped, who have taken a step up to present to you Balloween. Bring your face, cleanest shave it's ever seen, and make sure that the rest of your body is also cleaned up, if you know what I mean. So uh, this season, I- I'm actually going to ask you guys, what's what's the Halloween costume that we're rolling with this year? I haven't landed on it yet. I don't think I've had a- worn a costume in years, but I, you know, I'm, a- I'm a curmudgeon, but uh, I'll-, I'll-, I'll think of it. I'll think of it. I have I have not worn a, a costume. <sighs> you'll be in Ireland, right? So you'll you can be like a leprechaun or so. I probably a, I guess they wouldn't take too kind of that. Can you in imagine Ireland. dressing up as a leprechaun in Ireland. <laughs> that that's actually I, I pause this read to say that the best costumes are the ones that are ironic and funny and like just dressing up as Barbie and Ken is not. This is not what Halloween is about. Please be creative. And when you're creative, make sure that you're not, you know, itchy and scratchy underneath that costume. Get 20% off with promo code PFF plus free shipping from Manscaped. Manscaped has great products that will take care of you from head to toe. It includes the Manscaped Handyman, which gives your beard a great look. Comes with a ton of great stuff that you need to keep your facial hair looking as good as it possibly can. So if you're dressing up as like, I don't know, the Wolfman or something like that, they've got you covered. Um, I will let you guys know, I am doing a group costume. I'm bringing one back from a long, long time ago. It's a trio and we're going to be the Powerpuff Girls and, uh, it's going to be fantastic. So, uh, let it be, you can be sure that I'll be using my, my Manscaped products before that. Um, but go to manscaped.com, uh, slash, uh, PFF and use the promo code PFF to get 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped. Um, all right, you guys ready to pick some locks? Let's do it. I give that segue a zero, but yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah, it, actually, good point. Someone brings this up. Um, I, I was going to do chain smokers. That's a two-person thing. We had to include another person, so we had to go to three. I, am I disappointed? I am disappointed. Okay, the, I, no one. There's no one else out there dressing up as the chain smokers. Nothing makes me happier than the idea of having a unique outfit, unique costume. Anyway. Which Powerpuff girl are you? I don't, I don't know the names of any of them. But... I don't know yet. I don't know their names yeah, either. Fair enough. I know fair one's enough. pink, one's blue, and I think the other's green. Perfect. Whichever one sets off my eyes best. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> All right. What do we What do we like here? I Remind me of the sack prop that you had, uh, Brad. It was Charles Amenahu plus 155 or one, plus 154, whatever. Yeah. That was one that stuck out to me, um, and uh, I think we were all pretty aligned on the on the Jags. So, um, what else? What else stuck out to you guys? I mean, those were those were the two we we Brad and I had both uh, agreed on. Uh, Cooper Cup, I, mean, I think. Like? 
Oh yeah, yeah. Aside from the, uh... it was Lions. Ravens. George, you had a teaser, right? Ravens and somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Ravens, Lions, Ravens, Lions. I like that. I like that. Throw that in there. Um, all right. Uh, I, I do think the the Cooper Cup angle is compelling. Yeah. I feel like uh, last week was a bit of an aberration there, um, so it could throw that one in um, as well, which I liked. Um, yeah, any any others uh, we want to do? Yeah, on the cup note, the Steelers just chose to let Puka kill them and not let Cooper Cup kill them. Um, and, and last time they played, it was years ago, but but the Steelers have done better against Cooper Cup than anyone. Maybe we get a little bit of – I'm sure it'll still be 7.5 or at least 6.5 minus 150, whatever, but – um, I, I do like Cooper Cup a lot in this matchup. Awesome. All right, that's a four-pack. We've got Charles Menehue, plus 155 or 0.25 sacks. We've got our Jaguars. What are they, minus two and a half? Yep. Uh, against the uh, the downtrodden Pittsburgh Steelers, dare I say. Uh, and we've got uh, Cooper Cup. We'll, we'll figure out whatever – those props are not live yet. We'll get that number when it does. We'll post it in the Discord, which if you have not joined, you absolutely should. Um, and then uh, we'll close it out with a little teaser, a long action. Lions down to minus two at home against the Raiders on Monday night, and the Ravens down to two and a half in Arizona against the fighting Josh Dobbs. That was our podcast. Judah, travel safe to Ireland. Don't dress up as a leprechaun. Brad, let's take this offline and figure out a good costume for you, okay? Perfect. All right. Enjoy the chain smokers. See y'all. <laughs>